In this episode, I help you defend your blinds properly and avoid handing your opponents a lot of value. Welcome to Smart Poker Study. I'm your host, Sky Matsuhashi, and I'm really appreciative that you spend a little bit of your study time with me, whether you are listening to this podcast, maybe driving in the car, working out, at home doing the dishes, maybe you're actually watching some of my YouTube videos occasionally uh, on YouTube, right? <laughs> Whatever you do to consume my content to help you study, I really do appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Uh, if it's your first time here, welcome. And if you're back for more, welcome back, Jack. If you enjoyed this episode and learned something from it, please share it with a friend. Just send them to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 308. And you're going to want to go there yourself because uh, in that or on that page, I have a special YouTube video embedded there that relates to today's episode. And speaking of today's episode, right, let's get to it. Blind defense. So in last week's episode number 307, that was a chapter from my book, Preflop Online Poker, uh, chapter 2.1, and it was called Stealing the Blinds. Today, we're looking at defending your blinds in cash games. So this is a little audio segment from the exact same book, Preflop Online Poker, and this is chapter 4.1 called Defending Your Blinds. Uh, in the chapter, I give you some really good strategies, important strategies to help you save money out of the blinds. Way too many players, and I know this just from myself, but from a lot of my students and from a lot of the players that I exploit that I try to get value from, they are defending the blinds way too often with subpar hands in terrible situations against the worst opponents to do so, right? Well, the chapter that you're about to hear, Defending Your Blinds, that is going to help you with some really good strategies that you need to start employing today to save money in these automatic losing blind positions. And I mentioned going to the show notes page for a special video. Well, uh, in that video, I demonstrate the first study with purpose that you're going to hear at the end of the chapter. And I show you how to use the Hold'em Hand Range Visualizer within Poker Tracker 4. Uh, you use that to find some questionable calling hands. Hands like King 3 Offsuit and Queen 4 Suited. Stuff that you probably shouldn't have called, but you called. You find those hands, you review them, you figure out what your mistakes are, and then you work to not repeat those. So this is a one-two punch today, the audio right now from Preflop Online Poker, and then the video in the show notes page. Once again, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 308. Alrighty, let's get to chapter 4.1, Defending Your Blinds. Gambate! This is damn exciting stuff. Subdomino 4.1, Defending the Blinds. In the long run, everyone loses money in the blinds. It's something you can't avoid. You can't even sidestep these losses by folding every hand in the blinds. If you folded every big blind hand, you would have a negative 100 big blinds per 100 hands win rate in the big blind. If you folded every small blind, your win rate in the small blind would be negative 50 big blinds per 100 hands. Combine these and folding every blind dealt to you would yield a total loss of negative 75 big blinds per 100 hands in the blinds. That's a difficult amount to overcome, even with expert-level play in every other position. We must work to minimize these losses. By playing well and making positive EV decisions out of the blinds, good winning cash game players can attain a win rate of negative 40 big blinds per 100 hands or better in the big blind, and negative 20 big blinds per 100 hands or better in the small blind. This is a 60% savings over folding every blind hand, which is like saying you pay your blinds only 40% of the time. 
In poker, a penny saved is a penny earned, so any improvement you can make in the blinds goes directly to your bottom line. I ran through my database and searched for the different opportunities I had in the blinds. Out of the recent 64,566 hands I played, I was dealt 23,808 hands in the blinds. That's 37% of the time. It seems high, but if six max tables aren't full, you're in the blinds more frequently than 33% of the time. Here's what I found. In the blinds, 58% of the time I faced a 2-bet. That was 13,708 hands. 18% of the time I had the opportunity to raise over limpers, 4,386 hands. 13% of the time it was folded to me in the small blind and I had the opportunity to open the pot, 3,166 hands. And 6% of the time I had the opportunity to 4-bet, which means I was facing a 3-bet, 1,393 hands. Your database is going to look a lot like mine, where the most frequent action you face is a 2-bet. This subdomino will cover in detail how to approach this ubiquitous situation. An eye-opening exercise. Do you know the difference in your own profitability when calling versus raising out of the blinds? Calling gives you zero fold equity, as you're relying on hitting your hand, winning at showdown, or potentially finding an opportunity to bluff later on. You've also capped your range by calling, meaning you don't have everyone's favorite hands, pocket queens, kings, aces, or even ace-king, unless you occasionally call with these to trick your opponents. You must know what you're getting into when calling in the blinds, playing a hand out of position with the capped range. These two things are the antithesis of bread-and-butter situations, and even worse, you're giving that to your opponent. Your win rate when calling is likely going to be much lower than when raising in the blinds. Take a look at figure 101 on the images page. It's a blank chart that you're going to fill out to help you figure out your profitability in three common situations. The first situation is just your total blind play. You're going to record the number of hands, the dollars in profit or loss, the dollar you made or lost per hand, and your win rate. Next, you'll record those four same numbers for any call preflop, and then you'll record those same four numbers for any raise preflop. Here are the filters you're going to use. For the first situation, total blind play. You want to separate your blind hands from all the other positions. In Poker Tracker 4, and Hold'em Manager 2 is similar to this, turn on the posted small blind and posted big blind filters within the preflop actions and opportunities section. Record the number of hands played, the dollars in profit or loss, the dollars per hand played, and the total win rate. The second filter, you're going to add called to bet under the preflop calls submenu within the preflop actions and opportunities section. Record the numbers again. And the final third filter, replace the called to bet filter with any raise under the preflop raises submenu within the preflop actions and opportunities section. Record this final set of numbers. If you folded every blind, your total win rate would be negative 75 big blinds per 100 hands. Are your win rates worse or better than this? Do you see any clear patterns emerge? What can you take away from these numbers? The next figure on the images page, number 102, is filled out with information from one of my students with a database of 176,411 hands. My student follows the pattern that most poker players follow. Losing in total out of the blinds 
with the negative 45 big blinds per 100 hands win rate. Now, this is better than just folding every blind hand dealt. The next, my student is losing when calling in the blinds. The win rate here is negative 92 big blinds per 100 hands. My student is doing worse when calling than if they would have just folded every hand. And the third situation, my student is winning when raising in the blinds with a positive 64 big blinds per 100 hands. Fill out this table for yourself and see if your stats follow this student's pattern. You don't have to defend your blinds. Too many players see the blinds as their money and feel the need to defend them. You're not taking my blinds without a fight! Once money is in the pot, it's no longer yours. Folding with money already contributed to the pot is a neutral EV play. It's your job as a good poker player to make positive EV decisions. Defend your blinds with calls and 3-bets when it's positive EV to do so. Don't defend just to defend and end up throwing good money after bad. Here's a novel idea. Instead of defending with that money, save it for a later attack. And I know that you know you're profitable when attacking. Just look back at your numbers from figure 101 from the chart that you just filled out. If you call a 3.5 big blind open raise from the small blind with queen 8 suited, it's going to cost you 3 big blinds. Sure, queen 8 suited can make straights and flushes, but you're putting yourself out of position on the flop and on the defensive. That's anti-bread and butter. You're better off folding and the next time you're dealt queen 8 suited in the middle position, cut off or button, put those chips to great use and open raise. Be a good general and commit your resources for the most benefit. Facing a 2-bet options. By now you've had plenty of practice with the kiss ranges out of the blinds, and you possibly have them committed to memory. Following the ranges exactly will keep you within the tag spectrum in the blinds, but sometimes you'll want to stray outside of the ranges. When it's your turn to act, you have three options, fold, call, or raise. Before folding, you know that hands like 8-deuce offsuit, 9-6 offsuit, and jack-4 offsuit are not worth playing, and you're probably clicking the auto-fold button ahead of time. But great players in the blinds are always in a stealing mindset. Can I profitably 3-bet steal? To answer this question, we need to consider our opponent and their tendencies. Depending on the situation, we'll look at their limp then fold, raise then fold, and fold 3-bet stats. The more you look at these, the more often you'll find spots where you can profitably 3-bet steal. Of course, you run the risk of them calling or re-raising, but that comes with having a stealing mindset. Before calling don't let the math fool you. You may be tempted to call when your opponents offer great calling odds. Here's an example scenario. Playing jack-4 offsuit in the big blind. The under-the-gun villain min opens to two big blinds. Four players, from the MP to the small blind called. Hero is in the big blind with jack-4 offsuit. It only costs one big blind to win the total pot of 12 big blinds. What's Hero's play? Fold, call, or raise? Fold. It costs Hero 1 big blind to win 12 big blinds. This means Hero only needs 8.33% preflop equity to make a break-even call. What equity does Jack-4 offsuit have versus 5 other ranges? Take a look at figure 103. You can see that Jack-4 offsuit versus these 5 ranges only has 10.3% preflop equity. It has enough preflop equity to make a slightly profitable call, but is it truly worth playing? Consider the situation Hero is voluntarily entering. It's a six-way pot, out of position, against four players. Hero has a capped range. Hero has a hand that can't be played confidently 
unless it has trips or better by the turn. Even two pair must be played cautiously. And jack four offsuit flops two pair or greater, or an open in a straight draw or greater, only 6% of the time. This means that 94% of flops will find hero check folding. Don't defend your blinds just because the price is right. And for the off chance, you'll hit miracle quads on the flop. Stay tight, especially when calling multi-way pots, because you must hit the flop hard to make any money. And even when you do, it's difficult to get paid off because players often give credit to aggressive plays in multi-way pots, and they're quick to fold marginal hands and draws. Versus an open raise. Know what you're getting yourself into before calling an opponent's open raise. Determine the EV nature of calling by asking yourself questions like, Is this a profitable calling opportunity? Is 3-betting a more positive EV play? How does my hand play against villain's open raising range? By calling here, am I going to face difficult post-flop decisions? Versus early position raises. For the most part, early position open raises are tight and strong ranges, so we must not call often against them. Plus, it's likely we'll face post-flop c-bets from these tighter ranges. Calling out of position versus strong ranges is not bread and butter. That's why the KISS ranges have you calling a small range of hands versus EP open raises. Calling preflop in the blinds gives your opponent positional and range advantages, so you'd better have a good reason to do so. You can call small to medium pocket pairs for set mining as long as you've got 20x stacks behind. Remember the 20x rule from Subdomino 1.3. If you are set mining, don't allow yourself to get suckered into check calling down the streets with second or third pair or a weak draw in the off chance your opponent is bluffing. The goal is to flop a set, and if you don't flop it, highly consider check folding versus your in-position, stronger ranged opponent. Versus steals. Your calling range is widest versus cutoff, button, and small blind steals. Make the most of your calls in the blinds versus aggressive stealers by calling with hands toward the top of your opponent's opening range. When your hand is at the top of their range, you swing the equities in your favor, even though your opponent may have position and you've capped your range. Figure 104 shows the preflop equity of calling ace-queen versus an ace-x open raising range. Ace-queen has 67% versus a range of every suited and every offsuit ace. The ace-queen hand dominates most aces they opened with, as well as all other broadways, kings, queens, suited connectors, and suited gappers. 3-betting is an option with this hand, but keeping in all the dominated hands will allow you to gain maximum value on ace-high and queen-high flops. If you called with a hand in the middle of villain's opening range, say ace-7, the preflop equity drops significantly. Figure 105 shows against that same all-aces range, ace-7 only has 45% equity. You've gone from a 67% preflop equity favorite to a 45% preflop equity dog. Pair this fact with a capped range and a positional disadvantage and you are far removed from the bread-and-butter situation you're always looking to play. Open limping in the small blind. In cash games, don't open limp in the small blind when it's folded around to you. When you limp, the big blind often raises over your display of weakness, making you pay more to see the flop. If your hand is worth playing, then raise. Otherwise, fold. Here is the small blind motto. Raise first in or fold. Don't open limp. Multi-way limped pots. Sometimes it's limped to us by one or more players. We have the option of over-limping in the small blind or checking our big blind, or we can come over the top with a raise. 
The more limpers in the hand, the more careful you need to be. If you call or check, you're knowingly going post-flop without position against multiple opponents. If you raise and one opponent calls, this often creates a cascade of calls from any weak passive limper still in the hand. Think about the situation and ask yourself, how can I make money here? In the small blind, if you're dealt absolute junk like Jack-4 offsuit or 5-3 offsuit, don't make the call no matter the odds you're being offered. Don't let the math fool you. Save the .5 big blinds and move on to the next hand. If it's limp to your big blind, the decision is a bit easier. Check behind your junk and only raise value hands. Either way, if you get to the flop in a multi-way pot with a weaker holding, play straightforward and err on the side of value, not bluffy post-flop play. I'll cover raising over limpers below. Before raising. Before you make any 3-bet, know if you're doing so for value or as a bluff. The kiss ranges help you with this, but know your opponent and plan your 3-bet accordingly. If you're ever surprised by your opponent's call or 4-bet, then you didn't think through your 3-bet enough. First, value 3-bets. When we're value 3-betting, we must be reasonably sure they can continue with worse hands. Size your blind 3-bet somewhere over 3x for both value and bluffs. I generally make it between 10 to 12 big blinds. If your opponent is a loose aggressive or maniac and capable of 4-betting light, you can try sizing it smaller to induce this. You can then 5-bet or time down and call to lull them into thinking you've got a weaker hand. If you're not sure if your pocket jacks or ace-king is a value hand against an opponent, then you can flat instead and take the action to the flop. Be sensible and capable of ditching the hand if necessary. It's alright to call with pocket kings and pocket aces, especially if you think the opponent won't continue with worse. If they will fold all worse pairs and ace-x hands to your 3-bet, then don't make the 3-bet. Call and go post-flop with your superior hand. This has the added benefit of strengthening your calling range. If you're capable of showing up with kings or aces after calling pre-flop, your opponents will have a harder time putting you on a hand. Next, bluff 3-bets. When bluffing, your goal is for the opponent to fold and award you the pot. The KISS 3-bet bluffing ranges are necessarily small. You're out of position, and your 3-bets must contain a greater ratio of value to bluffs. Stick to these ranges for your bluffs, unless you deem it positive EV to 3-bet bluff against this opponent in this spot right now. What information will help you spot good 3-bet bluffing opportunities? Villain has a high attempt to steal stat, or a high raise first in in that position. Also, a high fold versus 3-bet steal, over 75% is great, and beware if it's less than 60%. Look for opponents to exploit and be careful when tackling good tight aggressive and loose aggressive regs. These players know what you might be up to, and can call with position and a wide range with the plan of taking it away later. If you are straying outside of the KISS ranges, blockers are always good as they make it more likely the opponent will fold. But if they fold a ton, like 80% or greater, then you can re-steal with a very wide range. If their fold percentage is lower, blockers add equity to your 3-bet bluff. Suited connectors are still great options due to their high post-flop playability. If they never fold, don't bluff. This is a key concept in all of poker that people just don't understand. Raising over limpers. In the KISS ranges, I recommend a 7.2% raise over a limpers range from the blinds. But don't use this range blindly. Be judicious based on the number and types of limpers. Stay out of trouble and look to build the pot with stronger hands versus players that you're comfortable playing out of position with. Your opponent's limped in after all which makes it likely they'll call your raise. 
Every raise must have a purpose. So what's your purpose for raising here in the small blind or big blind versus limpers? Answering this question every time you're in the blinds will lead to much better, more reasoned play. You can raise more frequently versus one limper than when facing multiple limpers. You can consider it an isolation raise and you're planning on taking advantage of the limpers post-flop weaknesses. Size your raises at 4x plus 1 per limper or even higher as necessary. You don't want to see the flop with any hand out of position versus 5 other players. So find the pain threshold and bet accordingly to limit the players involved to 1 or 2. When considering the sizing, gauge how often you think the next to act will call. If they call, this sweetens the pot for all the other limpers. If you're making it a good size to get the next player to fold, your raise has a high likelihood of limiting the players in the pot. Know what you'll do versus a 3-bet from any of the limpers or from the big blind. Review their limp then raise and limp then call stats to give you a good idea of what to expect and what to make of any raises. Statistics to track this week. Track your VPIP and PFR in each blind, also your total win rate in the blinds, and your win rate when you VPIPed in the blinds. Also, your attempt to steal in the small blind, and your fold to steal in each blind and track your 3-bet steal in each blind as well. Lastly, I want you to run 9 different filters to find some potential blind leaks. Record the number of hands from each of these filters and the win rate associated with each. Number 1. Any limp made. Number 2. 2-betting preflop. Number 3. 2-bet calling. Number 4. 3-betting preflop. Number 5. 3-bet stealing. Number 6. 3-bet calling. Number 7, 4-betting. Number 8, 4-bet calling. And the ninth scenario to filter for, 5-betting. Play with purpose number 1. In your sessions this week, focus intently on your play in the blinds. Before calling, raising, or betting, look at your opponent's related stats. Know the intent of your play before you make it. Are you betting or raising for value or as a bluff? Are you calling with a value hand better than your opponent's opening range? A post-flop playable hand? or a plan to bluff later? Are you folding because calling and 3-betting are both negative EV? Play with purpose number 2. Develop a 3-bet steal mentality in two 30-minute focus sessions this week. For every 2-bet you face in the blinds, don't auto-click fold. Instead, ask yourself, is a 3-bet steal profitable here? If the answer is yes, pull the trigger regardless of the hand you hold, although your hand might make it more profitable due to blockers or post-flop playability. If the answer is no, what hand could you hold or what other raising opponent at the table would make the steal profitable? Play with purpose number three. In two more 30-minute focus sessions, consciously work on the leak you discovered in the second study with purpose, which I'll cover in a moment. Study with purpose number one. Related to the eye-opening exercise at the beginning of the chapter, Run the second filter for any call preflop in the blinds. Now, using Poker Tracker 4, switch from the summary report to the Hold'em hand range visualizer report. And Hold'em Manager 2 has a similar heat map function. Make sure you select Voluntarily Put Money in the Pot as the heat map statistic. This will show you every hand you called with in the blinds. You can see what this looks like in Figure 106 on the images page. Click on and then review any hands that stand out as potentially bad calls. In figure 106, you see hands highlighted like 5-deuce offsuit, 5-4 offsuit, 6-4 offsuit, 
queen three offsuit and king three offsuit. As you review the hands, determine if your call was positive or negative EV. Find mistakes made, record them in your journal, and resolve to not repeat them. Study with purpose number two. Record the numbers for all nine of the potential blind leaks from the statistics to track section. Dive into the one that seems most dire. Figure out what you're doing wrong and how you can work to plug this leak. Are you being too aggressive versus the wrong opponent? Are you calling with too many pretty hands in hopes of hitting the flop? Are you not looking at your opponent's stats before you make your play? And study with purpose number three. See if you have the leak of set mining too often. Run the following filter. You posted the small or the big blind. Any call pre-flop, holding pocket eights through pocket deuces. If your win rate is positive, you're making good set mining decisions. If it's negative, you're potentially set mining in bad spots, or you won't give up post-flop because you hit a draw, or you are an unbelieving calling station. Go through your biggest losing hands and figure out where the issue lies. Make sure you're utilizing the 20x rule for set mining. Alrighty, poker peeps, your learning is not complete until you watch that special Study With Purpose video that I have at the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod308. And if you like what you see in the video, if you like what you heard in this podcast, I highly recommend that you pick up my book, Preflop Online Poker, and you can get it right there through that show notes page. And for those who are not members of the Poker Forge yet, what are you waiting for? Go to thepokerforge.com right now because before the end of the month, before September ends, the price will go up. There are seven complete courses for you to learn from. Not just learn strategies, but then also take action with all the strategies that you learn because I give you action steps at the end of every single video to turn you into the poker player that you want to be. So once again, go to thepokerforge.com today to sign up before that monthly or quarterly price increases real soon. Until next time, take action both on and off the felt to become the player that you want to be.